0: I won't read together, but I'll just get you guys to stand, because I have quite a bit of scripture here. <laughs> all right? So I'm just going to read, and we're just going to stand, right? So 2 Kings chapter 2, we'll start verse 1. And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord had sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elisha said unto him, um, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord had sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest so thou that the Lord will uh, that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they two went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they two stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so so unto thee. But if not, it shall be not so. It shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and smote the waters, and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also, when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over. And when the sons of the prophets which are to view at Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that we get to meet again today, Lord, and um, I know perhaps after the week or different things, Lord, we might feel, um like your word says, Lord, that the outward man is perishing, Lord, but um I know that we could be tired, Lord, or anything, but um I pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight, renew us from the inside out, Lord, and help us, Lord, through your word. Speak to us each individually, Lord, and I pray also, Lord, that you would just help me give me utterance, Lord, and help me to say the things that I need to say, um, and only by your will, Lord, and, and what you would have me to say, Lord. Pray that you would just bless the service, and we just love you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can sit down. Amen. All right, it's a lot of scripture there, I know, but um, basically, I, I gave you the, the, a lot of it just to give you an overview of what's happening. There's, there's a lot in there, and I'm not going to touch on everything, of course, because we'd be here, like Andrew was saying this morning, for probably more than a month of Sundays. <laughs> All right, but um, in this chapter, the time is drawing closer that Elijah would have to go to heaven, okay? So what's unique about Elijah in this case is that he is one of two people <laughs> Um, whom God simply took to heaven. Does anyone know who the other person is? Who is it? Enoch. Enoch. Very good in Genesis five. He was not. Alright? For God took him. Um so they didn't die, they just left. Okay? Um so how many of you guys want to go the same way, not die? That would definitely be me. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'd all we'd all sign that petition, right? um so paul Paul does tell us that he says we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed okay so um so it might happen yeah, but we don't know okay so um so God describes elijah's final hour- final hours for us um I think not just so that we would hope to win the not dying lotto, if you know what I mean by that <laughs> we just we don't read these things just 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 to hope to be a part of them, although I do hope, you know, that kind of idea, but he's also, um, he's teaching us about, I believe tonight, and I'll try and show you a little bit, about having the right perspective on this life, and also to be ready for the next, okay, so obviously, um, if you know um, from Romans, it says that these things were written a fourth that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope, okay, So, um, I guess the question tonight I could put to you guys is, um, how prepared are you to leave this world? Okay? Um, Because it could happen at any moment, okay? The time was drawing night for for Elijah here, and uh, it also happened to Hezekiah. Isaiah just came up to him and said, um, what did he say? He said, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Okay? So, um, you know... um, just I guess I'll, I won't get ahead of myself there. How prepared are you to leave this world? Okay? So I'm just gonna go through three points here and we'll be finished. Alright, so when you go into when you're in Second Kings, if you see verse one, it says that it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Okay? So um a moment ago I said that Elijah was unique in the sense that God took him, okay, and not everybody's going to get to to experience that blessedness. <laughs> or that amazingness, okay? But um, we are all like Elijah in the sense that we all have to leave this world, okay? So you know the verse, that's going to be our theme verse for a target of the heart this summer, um, and as it is appointed unto men, once to die, but after this the judgment, okay? So basically, preparing to leave this world, the first point is basically that at one time we're going to die, okay? If, of course, the catching away doesn't happen first, all right, which we're all hoping for, but it's appointed unto men once to die, okay? So, um, perhaps we don't like hearing about this stuff. I definitely know that when you call to doors and things like that, people don't like, you know, it's it's like so sudden. You could talk about anything. You could talk about politics. You could talk about, you know, fishing. You could talk about all sorts of things, but at one point when you start talking about, it gets really very personal when you start talking about somebody's mortality, okay? And, um, you know, people get offended. Why would you ever point that out, okay? So, Um, we don't like hearing about it or probably even thinking about it, but the, but, you know, the truth of the matter is it's a fact. Alright, time is marching onward. I don't know if you've heard the the hymn that they made from Samuel Rutherford's words, but it says, the sands of time are sinking. And when I was a kid I used to play with one of these, uh, I don't know if you ever did that, the little sand thing and you just watch all the sand just drip down or whatever. And um, okay, so, about time, the time in the past can never be reclaimed. Okay, and um, the reason I'm mentioning this is you know, oh, how we need to make the most of our time, okay, so the Bible says redeeming the time okay for the days are evil so um I, as far as this thought, some people like I said already, okay, um people like to avoid it or they, they they push it out of their minds, okay but um if if what I'm saying here tonight is if you and I will be mindful of eternity at every moment to keep that at the forefront of our minds um it would it would change us entirely. Because if you turn to Psalm 90, you probably know this one already, but I, guess I want you guys to see it with your own eyes. Psalm 90. Verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 12. It says here, um, this is a prayer of Moses, actually. And it says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom, okay? So when I say think about our mortality, I'm not I'm not saying to, um, to be morbid about it or be obsessed about it or to be, you know, shackled by it, if you know what I mean by that, okay? But, um, you know, I'm not trying to make you depressed even though these, these things are sorrowful, okay? But um, if you turn to another verse here, the Bible says that there is a good and a bad sorrow, okay? So there's a good way to think about this, our mortality, and there's also a bad way to think about it. If you turn now to 2 Corinthians 7. Just like there's a good and bad wisdom, James says there's a wisdom from above which is sensual and devilish. That wisdom we don't want any of. We want godly wisdom. The same way with sorrow, we don't really want the sorrow of the world. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 7.10. Second Corinthians seven ten says, "For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But sorrow, the sorrow of the world, worketh death." Okay, so there's a sorrow of the world that that draws you to death. Okay, and when it's finished, obviously it's not good. Therefore, we're talking, you know, about um, about suicide and things that that hinder our lives. Okay, but there is a sorrow there. It says here in verse ten. That work it repentance to salvation. And that's a positive sorrow. It's a, a sorrow that works with us and for us. It's a godly sorrow. And it draws us to God. Okay? So when I'm talking about um, being mindful of our mortality, I'm talking about something that drives us towards the Savior. Like the schoolmaster, the, like the law being the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. We're being mindful that we're going to be with the Lord soon. And obviously we need to make the most of it. That's, pro- that's going to be my next point. <laughs> okay? So um, I have here, the time is one of God's greatest gifts, and yet how often men devise ingenious methods to make it pass lightly and quickly, and refer to it as killing time. So the value of time arises from, one, it's brevity, time is short, the longest life is still short, okay? I was talking to a distant relative, he's 85, Dennis is 85 too, and it's just amazing how far back in history he reaches when I ask him questions about the Mahi family, it's Amazing. Alright. But even that long life is short. Very short compared to eternity. Okay. So time is one of God's greatest gifts also because of its uncertainty. You know, the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. Okay. So despite the fact that we would like to live three score and ten or over to 85 or whatever it is. Okay. We're never guaranteed tomorrow. Okay. Um, so we're uncertain about how much time we have, even though we can go by statistics and say statistically back, you know, uh how many years ago i don 't know eighty years ago people lived um i don 't know was it in the u k they only lived to like the average age was like forty six point seven or i don 't know what don 't quote me on that um but it 's almost double at that stage now because of scientific advance and you know things like that. but still, just because the life expectancy is longer doesn 't mean you 'll have a longer life okay it 's all in the lord 's hands and um, third, time is one of god 's greatest gifts because the fact that it is irrecoverable, okay. That's a big, long word. Irrecoverable. Many syllables. Okay, so I said that already. The hand in the clock can't be, um, can't be turned back. Okay, Mm -hmm. so time is being spent, whether we like it or not. Okay, and obviously we need to spend it wisely. So time is given that we may prepare for eternity. The watchword of the moment should be now. Okay, so even though this stuff we don't like to deal with it or whatever, if you turn to Second Peter, Second Peter. I could turn other verses as well. Paul would say the same thing. Obviously, this is God's word, so it it's harmonious and it's united. But Second Peter, chapter one, you know, earlier in the chapter, there he's saying to add to your faith many things: virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. And um, he goes on and he says, um, let's say we'll go to um, verse 10 and he says, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your election, calling an election sure, for if you do these things you shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established um, in the present truth. Yea, I think it it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ had showed me. So this is uh, Peter talking, and he says, I won't be negligent, I won't neglect the burden that I need, that, that you need to be reminded of these things, okay? Because we don't always think about them, okay? Life life seems to get faster as you get older, <laughs> Okay? I remember how long summer holidays felt, even though when we were, they were over, when I was a kid, I was sad. <laughs> but now, like, just the days just, just seem to be flying by, or whatever, and I don't even know what day it is half the time, unless there's a certain event on. Oh yeah, that's a Friday event, or la la la. Okay, and I presume it gets even faster. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, but um, so all I'm saying there was, it's easy to forget things that we know, you know, that are so obvious to us, but not to let them put them aside because um because that's dangerous, <laughs> okay? So uh, so back to Second Kings, that was uh, the first verse there. Don't worry, I'm not going to spend every that long on every verse, but I was just setting setting this up, okay? So we know that we're going to once die, so I'd point it out to men, once to die. But, so that means that the life we have now, I'm going to get back here, is full of single opportunities, I suppose. How could I say it? Second Kings back to two, and now I'll go over two to s- two to six. All right, so I'll read here. I'm not going to read every single word because we already read it already, and there's a bit of repetition. But it says Elijah said unto Elisha, "Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel." And obviously Elijah says, oh, "I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay with you." So they went on, and then when they went there. And the sons of the prophets say, don't you know Elijah's going to be taken away? And the same thing happens again in in verse 4. Elijah says, I'm going to Jericho. Elisha doesn't want to leave him him go on his own. And then when they get there, the sons of the prophets again tell him that he's going to get, his master's going to get taken away from him that very day. And he says, yeah, I know it. um, I don't know how to say it another way. Hold your peace. Don't talk about it. So I don't think he was like saying, you know, uh, be quiet or anything like that. But I think he was just saying, you know, I'm aware of that. You don't need to, you know, bring it up. It's a painful thought. I don't want it to happen. <laughs> All right. And um, then in verse 6 he says the same thing again. Stay here. I'm going to Jordan. Okay. So basically, um, where do I start with this one? It's, as I said, it's, it, it's almost time for Elijah to go. Okay. But does he slow down? and sit around he could have said um, I'll tarry here Elisha go and talk to the sons of the prophets or whatever happened over there Uh, the the Bible theologian eggheads say that there was two colleges in each of the places I guess after um, Elijah got rid of the 450 prophets of Baal and he set up a prophets' school or a college and that he went there for one last sermon to um, before his departure, okay, so that's what you know these these uh these other preachers say. I don't know. Um but um you can take that with a grain of salt. Alright. So um he doesn't slow down, back to my point. He keeps uh he keeps going, okay? Um let me get onto my second page here. So in relation to preparing to leave this world, just like the Lord had Elijah on a busy schedule, alright, your work isn't over until it's over. Alright? Or as Eric would say, until the fat lady sings. But I don't know, is that very politically correct right now? <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. So as long as you're breathing, God wants your light to shine. And also, um, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For the Lord, of course. Okay. Um, so what you find in the Bible is you find blessed rest. But you don't find retirement. Okay. The concept of retirement actually isn't in the Bible. In a spiritual sense. Okay. There's always something left to do. You can't do something, you know. You've heard of people, um, maybe their health isn't great, but they're really intense prayer warriors, okay? And they're praying for the church. They're praying for um, different people's needs. There's always something that you can do, okay? There's always something that the Lord has for you to do. And the Bible says, "Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing." Okay? Um, so a caveat on that one: to stay serving God. To stay faithful at doing that, okay? Is basically one of the toughest things you'll ever do. You can't do it in your own strength, right? Not by mind not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Okay? And um, you know, if you go through the discipleship was mentioned here tonight, if you go on to I think it's what, section three? The memory verse there is Romans twelve eleven. Does anyone know that one? Romans twelve eleven. Not slothful. Someone done section three of the discipleship? Not slothful? Alright, excellent, okay. So um, as I said, you need to be fervent in spirit and not slothful about the, the things of the Lord, okay? But as I said, that's really hard to do, isn't it? And if you if you want to know like Elijah is described in James, he's a man of like of like passions as we are, right? So he had the same frame, he was butt dust at the same time. So if you want to go back in your own time and read first Kings 9, you you'll find that he found it hard to stay faithful to the Lord too. Okay. And he got to a place where he was really, really low, and he needed a bit of a a rest, a replenishing. But the Lord had time, enabled him, and had time for that, and let him rest. Okay. And he understood his heart. Like we've been reading Psalms on the Wednesday nights and things. And um, God knows, God knows our our frame. And uh, He even uh, gave him a, a great answer to prayer. What was the great answer to prayer that Elijah got in 1 Kings 19? stop time. No, 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 not that one. Um, This is when he gets fed by the ravens and things, by the the broken things. Before that, yeah, this is, um, anyone know? This is good. People don't know. (laughs) He prayed, it's enough. I'm not better than my fathers. Let me die. So he prayed to be taken away. And he got a great answer to prayer. Normally we say a great answer to prayer is a yes. (laughs) But in this case, a great answer to prayer was no. (laughs) There's a great no in the Bible, all right? Um, So he wanted to be taken away. He thought he was done. He couldn't do any more for the Lord, and the Lord knew better. And um, he kept him going. So um, again, on that, um, you know, as far as ministry is concerned, um, as well, one of the most dearest to my heart chapters is in lectures to my students. I don't know if you've read that book by Charles Spurgeon, but chapter 2 or something like that is called The Minister's Fainting Fits. You should read that. And that's very encouraging if you're in an Elijah type of place like that, okay? So just for your encouragement. (laughs) So um, um, about staying busy, you know, the Lord knows, and he's working in us, okay? Um, I hope you've read this poem here by a missionary named C.T. Studd. I'll only do the first verse because it's quite a long poem, but you've probably heard some phrases from it. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. All right. So um, remember now we've only got one um, we've got one appointment that's ahead of us. Once to die, and this the judgment. Okay. And we've got one opportunity in this life, and that's to labor for the Lord. Okay. That labor is not in vain, of course, like the Bible says. But um, you know, I was thinking about that, and a lot of people have you heard they make bucket lists, the things they want to do before they die what kind of things might make it on that bucket list anyone want to chime in climb everest what is it see yeah see places go i want to go see you know this wonderful jump out of an airplane yes, yes skydiving and that kind of thing <laughs> all right so um people make make that thing they want to yeah do a lot of things and and some people maybe they're a little wise because they've been through life and um they make some other things a priority like um loved ones um, they don't want to leave their love unexpressed or they want to make sure they pass on some wisdom or advice. This is a little wiser, okay? And um, sometimes the people in the world are a little wiser than the children of light, right? But um, but I do want to take that st- a step further and, and say that, you know, what about having a spiritual bucket list or a biblical bucket list of things that you really want to accomplish before you die, things that you ought to do, things that the Lord has put on your heart, okay? So, um, you know... I think that a list is good. You know, if I'm ever trying to do something, what happens is, if I don't write it down, I forget it. <laughs> All right. So if you ask me to do something and I don't write it down, you can almost bank on that that I've forgotten. <laughs> All right. In one ear, out the other. My mom used to give out to me about that, right? Um, so it's good to make a list. So I would say to, um, you know, if, if there's things that you don't want to die having undone, spiritual things, biblical things, I would suggest maybe write those things down. Andrew was talking about a burden that he had when he was younger. He wanted to get to the altar, pure, pure in a physical sense, because that's maybe what the Bible or what he read in the Bible. Yeah, you said the verse there, wasn't it? And um, in Second Corinthians, First Corinthians. Yeah. So um, that was something that he put on a bucket list, and he's ticked that off, right? And that's great. Okay. So yeah, you know, Jonathan Edwards. If you've read anything about him, he put all these things that he was resolved to do. And, um, I just think, you know, it really solidifies something if you write it down, okay? And then, um, you know, uh, if you've read any organizational books or whatever, they say review it often, you know? Because the more you put it in front of your face, the more it's at the forefront of your mind, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's why we, we, uh, uh, would say that you have to read your Bible every day, okay? Because the more you put that in your, in front of your face, into your mind, down into your heart, the more it'll, it'll be there, it'll be growing, the more you'll think about it, okay? You know, I say to the teenagers, you know, when uh, people often talk about things, they bring it up because they had experienced it lately or whatever. Did you watch this video on YouTube? Blah, 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 blah. I've been thinking about that. Did you watch this film I watched lately? La, 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 la. And stuff comes out of our hearts that we have put in there, if you know what I mean, by that we have experienced lately. So um, if you want the right things to start coming out, you know, <laughs> like that, uh, that term garbage in, garbage out, but this would be, you know... God's word in, God's word out. I suppose, in a sense, um, put those things before you, and it's more likely to happen. Okay, that's that's. I guess I'll I'll stop there with that one. Okay, but if you're not sure about what should be on your bucket list, um, uh, let's let's look. We, we read here. Um, let's do it. Um, I suppose I I described to you already. We probably don't need to read it. Um. But from Elijah's point of view, if we look at the two people, right? Elijah and Elisha, okay? So the things that Elijah, Elijah did, um, he was an elder serving the younger. He was an older person trying to pass on um, to the younger, okay? So what did he do? He went to the different colleges and he encouraged. So if you're in, in um, that position where you're in a mentor position, you're in an older position, you have a bit more wisdom and stuff like that, one of your goals should be, Maybe on your book list or whatever it is, is to encourage young people in the Lord. Encourage those, obviously, your, your kids. <laughs> okay? Or, you know, you could have a ministry where if the kids bring any friends to the house or whatever, maybe you could see if the Lord would open up a door for you to talk to them or just to, just to be a good example. Okay? And I'm getting ahead of myself now at that stage. But encouraging the younger generation. You know, I find, as I get older, I, I look at all my faults and things of like that. And um, I know, you know, I have many. Okay, but um, at the same time, I'm kind of straddling between the two right now because I'm in a midlife crisis, right? (laughs) And um, you know, it's nice to have someone to look up to that is a testimony for the Lord, that it will encourage you, that um, to trust the Lord more with your life. Okay, and I feel like you know the elder people. I'm not I'm not pointing to elder people and, and criticizing anyone above me, but for me, um. You know, what does do the younger generation? How am I am I pointing to the Lord very well at all? Am I encouraging them in the Lord, or am I discouraging them from you know, well you know, John does this or John does that. So you know, eh, I probably shouldn't do that either. Or you know, if I've done something that's not a good testimony for the Lord, that kind of thing. Okay, so I feel like um, when that when that. Example, or that testimony is lacking, it hurts the next generation. It's really important to pass the baton down. Okay, who's going to, after um, you know anyone who can preach here is gone, who's going to take the place? And I know we say we trust the Lord and things of like that, but the Lord searches for men too to stand in the gap. Okay, and He's searching for godly people, and this is our burden and our responsibility, right? So it's um, important for us to encourage and to to give our blessing to the young people too. Okay. You know how important the blessing is? Obviously, Jacob, he rested the whole night, forgot the blessing from the Lord, all right? But a blessing from a father to a son or a father to a daughter, to have a blessing from your parents or um, just to um, the power of a blessing. I I've listened to a sermon by S.M. Davis. I thought it was very, very helpful if um, you're curious about that topic, all right? So obviously, to exhort the younger, and um, Eric's always exhorting the younger Guys in the office, <laughs> and um, just trying to teach him what he knows and things like that. All right, and uh, that's that's a positive thing, equipping them to 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 replace you. All right, um, so you know you know you have probably heard that phrase, faith is caught rather than taught. Okay, so we could go through a line by line, precept by precept, through the Bible, but you know if someone's not living it, it does it, it's not the nail and hitting the nail on the head as, as well as it could. All right. And then in the reverse of it, from Elisha's point of view, the younger serving the elder, okay? Obviously there needs to be respect, okay? <laughs> so I'm again, I'm in a t- two different places, whatever, I've got kids, I'm trying to minister to teens, but I'm also serving um, in the church and that kind of thing, okay? And um, it says, um, likewise the younger, submit yourselves unto the elder in 1 Peter 5. And I find that nowadays... Um, Well, the natural thing for teenagers or for young people is to think that they know better, okay? I did that myself. I remember saying, I know, Mom, I know. All right, so it's no good saying, I know, I know, when your room is still messy, you know, that kind of stuff, right? (laughs) That's saying you're knowing, but you're not doing, that kind of idea, okay? So um, in the same sense, you know, people who are are older than we are have more wisdom, okay? And they've been through life, and maybe we won't understand things. And I, I, I tell myself that all the time, you know, maybe I feel... Or I have an opinion that might be uh, I think we should do this in a certain way, or I don't know why we're not blah 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 blah. You know, but you have to you have to know that God works through authority, okay? And we have to have the respect for that and um, not not tear down the authority, but but lift it up because everybody needs an Aaron and a Her. Do you know what I mean when I say Aaron and Her? Okay. So there was a battle. Moses needed to keep the staff up high. Could he do it alone? Moses was an incredible man of God. Okay, probably not seen the like we'll see the like of him again during the tribulation, right? But um, but he couldn't keep that that rod up, and he needed help to come alongside. Okay, and people need help. Um, You know, Dennis, uh, we put out a a word there, and and Dennis needed a bit of help tidying up and stuff like that. Some people came over. That was great to be a help and to 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 minister and to um, to work into someone's life. Okay, so um, these are some of our goals. Okay, and no one can do it alone. Just because we have our pastor here, we, we love him. He's a great teacher and preacher. He's, like we used to call him, a Duracell bunny. He just goes on and on and he just doesn't stop. He, I don't know, does he ever sleep at night? Like, he's just probably like, oh, I got, wrote ten sermons last night while well, you all were sleeping. <laughs> okay? He, he's just, he seems unstoppable, okay? But at the same time, he can't do it alone. No matter how strong we think men of God are in our lives or those people above us, we need to come alongside and help, okay? Because no one can cover the whole thing. Teamwork. Teamwork is really important and you can't cover a line of attack, um, just one person, okay? Like, you know, people like soccer. Messi, he's a great player, apparently. I don't know, has he passed his prime now? I'm not sure I'm not a soccer person. No, okay. <laughs> okay. But if you just put Messi with none of the rest of the team on, on and then put, you know, some other Bayern Munich or some other team, I don't even know if he plays for them. Um, they're gonna like win 20 nil or something like that, right? Just because he's really good, he can't do it alone. And in the same way, that principle goes all across the board, because it's a, a biblical principle, okay? So, there, one other thing I'll mention before I move on is that um, Elisha prayed for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, okay? And I hope that's a prayer that you prayed, okay? You want a double portion of, like, I think of Brother Everly over in, um, in McCroom, he's, he's amazing. And, um, you know, for Gavin to to pray for a double portion of his spirit would be a great prayer. You want, um, so not everybody's perfect and that kind of thing. You know, I've definitely prayed that prayer in respect of pastor, um, and you want a double portion of their their good qualities, of course, right? Follow them as they follow Christ, okay? And um, and then for the rest, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins, or love covers all sins. Sorry, it says charity covers a multitude. So we have to not be so harsh. I think people are very harsh on authority nowadays and they just want to cast it off when they see one little chink in the armor, okay? Um, But that's just my my two cents about, about all that, okay? So Elisha is, he can't be discouraged from going away from Elijah, okay? And surely that's a shadow or a type of us following the Lord, okay? If you turn to Psalm 63, and I'll move on to my next point here. Psalm 63. Psalm sixty three verse eight says, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me, okay. So this is David obviously praying unto the Lord, um, and he's saying his soul followeth hard after thee, okay? But where is that zeal where we would um, just um, just come alongside a minister and not be discouraged in any way from 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 going and doing something else, okay? And it, it's a common thing. There's no temptation taking you that such is common to man, but it still doesn't make it right. And it's probably why we have, what, a third of the numbers we've had this morning. Because it's hard. It's hard to stay and to follow hard after, okay? There's there's a lot of things that are in our hearts, and I understand that, okay? But my whole point, whatever, for this is we've only got one chance, okay, to make a difference and um, one opportunity. And we need to choose the best things, just like um, Mary chose the best things, right? She chose sitting at Jesus' feet, and you guys have chosen to come to church tonight, there's plenty of other things you could be doing. You could be way more prepared for tomorrow and all that kind of thing, but you're here and you're, you're sitting under the word of God and that's, that's a positive thing, okay? And to the world, that might seem foolishness, but to those who are saved, it's the power of God, all right? Um, so for the younger to the elder, we ought to be following hard after, after these things and um, just pushing ourselves, all right? Because Jesus taught us, or still teaches us today, that the night cometh when no man can work. And there come a time when we can't do all those things that we we wish we could, all right. And we don't want to lose that opportunity. You guys have been given an opportunity today, just today, to do something for the Lord. You guys have chosen to come to church, okay. And um, don't leave it undone, whatever it is the Lord is speaking to you to do, okay. And if it's something that you think might come out of your mind, write it down, all right. I, I have a, a personal illustration in the sense that I had a, an uncle that was his health was deteriorating and I hadn't spent any time with him. And um, when I finally got around to doing it, Ruth and I, we went up to the hospital. He was in Galway and he was in the final stages of cancer. And we, we went up and he wasn't even conscious at that point. And he, he he passed away right there in the room and we were only there, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes. Okay, And I never got to talk to him about the gospel or anything. He wasn't saved. And... um just wasn't time to talk to anyone else about that at that stage because it was just a sad time, um a sensitive time, I guess, and that kind of thing. And and it, that always that always comes to mind in my life or whatever. Something that I an opportunity that I missed. It's something that I can't go back on now. And remember I was talking about the godly sorrow and the sorrow of the world. I could let that, you know, um, discourage me or that kind of thing, but hopefully the Lord can leverage it in my life like maybe like he did in Job's or anything, that it would be a positive thing to push me to do the right things because I know how painful it can be when, when those things are undone. Okay? So we've only got one opportunity to labor. And then so just finally then um I'll read on in Second in Kings there just maybe one verse back in Second Kings two. So I'm just going to read verse 11. Okay? And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. crazy. Crazy to imagine, think about. Okay, So the, the time finally came. Both of them were well aware. The sons of the prophets had stood afar off to view. Okay? Everybody knew that he was going to get taken up. But still still it was sudden, still it was shocking, okay? And still it was sorrowful, in that kind of way, way, okay? So, you know, just because we know we're going to die doesn't make it any less intense, okay? And doesn't make that time any less um, sad, if you know what I mean by that, even though we don't sorrow like the world sorrows, or we don't have that kind of grief. But, um, you know, they were talking, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if they even heard the chariot and the horse's and they just, I imagine that it just comes up between the two of them and divides them in two. And then, um, the mantle just falls to the ground because he doesn't need, his body is changed, he's being glorified at that stage, if you read 1 Corinthians 15. And he goes up in a whirlwind up and he's, he goes out of sight from the clouds, it's a lot, a lot similar to, to Jesus being ascending up into heaven, you know, and the cloud received him out of their sight. Um, but it, it, and that was it then. He fought a good fight. He kept the faith. And um he just left Elijah there to grieve, to tear his clothes, and um to eulogize him in a sense, okay? My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Okay? And I don't know, you know, maybe you've had someone pass away that's close to you and things of like that. It's it's not it's never, you know. Uh, Something, even though you know you should be happy, there's still a a grieving process there, and God understands that. Okay, so the question—I guess I leave you um, with—are a couple of questions. I guess just where are you going eternally? Do you know that? Okay, there's a hymn um, I love it, um, but the words are for the first verse. It says, "When my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me." I like that one, all right, so of course as as um you know as long as you live, you know I said you've got one opportunity and that kind of thing, however long you live, Jesus says you need to be born again in that, so i, I don 't know if anyone's not saved here, but I have to put that out there you know um uh it's just good to 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 um to be sure and to make that make your calling and election sure, like I was just reading there i I did a little calculation uh, online, and um earlier this year, I passed thirteen thousand days alive. All right, so um, I read a book that some guy um, had a realization and it was life-changing to him that he just passed 40,000 days. That was like around the 55 mark or whatever, 55 years. Um, And they say if you live until you're 70, you know, the Bible has three score and 10, that's just over 25,000 days. I don't know if you're curious where you're at (laughs) as far as days. But um, as I said, you never know how many days you are given. Okay. So obviously the first burden is... You know, um, you know. it says in in 2 Corinthians, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So just remember that you can't get out of eternity once you get there. There's no coming out of eternity. Okay? So where where will you go? I hope you're 100% sure. If you've been at this church at any point, you've definitely heard this message before. The gospel. All right? But for those of you who are saved... If you were to die today, what would you regret not doing? Okay? That's something we're meditating on. Like the Psalm yeah. says, Sila. Okay? Um, when's the last time you told the Lord you loved him? You know, a relationship takes work. Yeah? Uh, next week I'll be seven years married to Ruth. You know, it takes, it takes work. A lot, and some people, they love the newness of things. And you know, when that honeymoon period ends, they get discouraged, and they move on. That's just something that the world does. And they're always fighting to find that new thing. There's always an update, an update to your computer, an update to your car, an update to this, an update to your relationship, and you want that buzz that's at the start or whatever, and you keep in this vicious cycle where you keep going over and over. But a real relationship takes work, takes effort, but it gets sweeter as the days go by. Okay, And I hope your relationship with the Lord, I was talking about earthly relationships there, but your relationship with the Lord, um, hope it's become sweeter as... As the days have gone by. And what have you done lately to express that in the same way, talking about relationships? Are you actively seeking to encourage, exhort and equip and be a God example to those around you? You know, is that something that you're intentional about? If we don't have that in intent, we're not going to really fulfill it. It doesn't just come naturally. You have to, have to strive to do these things. Okay? And, okay, if I haven't encouraged you, I know, I know. <laughs> we are but dust, okay? But it doesn't mean we shouldn't have that intention, okay? And that mission, you know, if you're a parent, how your kid's doing spiritually, do you even know? All right. So when Elijah went up to the heaven, he left his house in order. Okay, Elisha was ready to take up the mantle. The things Elijah passed on didn't just benefit Elisha. He wasn't just doing it for Elisha, but they impacted pretty much the whole nation. To be honest, okay. Um there was even a guy that was dead, and he fell down and touched Elisha's bones, and he got back up again. Eh? <laughs> If Elijah didn't pass on the mantle, I know that there's the Lord's in this, okay, and the Lord empowers everything. But He does work through men too, alright? And he wouldn't have woken up if Elijah was just any other guy that you know didn't fulfil the will of the Lord. <laughs> so it benefits people. You know, Andrew's um, uh missionary verse and of some having compassion, making a difference. Alright? Um, so conclusion, I do hope you are prepared to leave this world whenever God says it's time. So just three things. Remember, it's appointed unto you once to die. You're closer to eternity than you were before this church service began. And then two, it's appointed unto you, I have here, once to labor. Okay, so only one light will soon be passed. Only one stone for Christ will last. So don't miss your opportunity to do the best things now. Um, You probably have enough regrets as it is. Alright? And three, it's appointed unto you once to live eternally. Okay, so as I said, you can't get out of eternity once you get there. And will you spend it with or without God? Obviously, that's your call, okay? Um, so I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time we've got to spend in your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the reminder, Lord, that we just need to uh, we need to learn to number our days, Lord, that we may apply our hearts to, to your wisdom, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that um, you would help us just to have a singleness of mind, Lord, like your word says, to redeem the time and um, just to make sure that we're not killing time, Lord, but that we're redeeming it, Lord. Um, There's a time for rest, but there's a time for plenty of other things, Lord. And you're um, a God of order, Lord. So I pray that you would help us, Lord, um, just to be more spiritually organized, Lord, to to draw close to you. And Lord, um, your word says, if any of us lack wisdom, Lord, let a mask of God, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that we would just lift our hearts up to you tonight. Help us, Lord, to um, um, maybe just do a spirit's inventory or an evaluation, Lord, and um, just try and keep the most important things, Lord, that you've spoken to us about, Lord, in the forefront of our mind, um, and to uh, think about them often, Lord, and um, just try our best, Lord, in your strength, to accomplish those things before you call us home to glory, Lord. So we love you. We pray for Pastor. Pray that you um, be with him and need the Lord while they're away, and we continue to pray for Sarah Gorman as well, of course, and um, Kathy for her back, and Amanda, Lord, for her trip. Slavka, Lord, I pray that you would just. Um, Just make those um, the the trip fruitful and prosperous, Lord, that um, Amanda will be able to be an encouragement and a testimony over there, Lord, and just obviously for healing for the others, Lord, and for safety as well, Lord. So we just love you. Pray that you bring us home safely tonight as well, Lord. And um, we just thank you for the time and we got to spend with you, Lord, in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.